You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. Our sponsor today is Skunk Brothers Spirits. If you go to their website, type in coupon code DWA10, you get 10% off of their awesome, awesome fare, I should say. Um, They are a brother-owned, family-owned, veteran-owned business in Washington State. A lot of owned things. There's a lot of owned. I would say owned 20 times in this. (laughs) Also, listeners... Feel free to like, subscribe, and don't forget to review us. We love to hear what Val, you think of Val while she's hosting. <laughs> I'm me. not allowed to eat anymore, guys. That's, <laughs> yeah, well, we have many missteps. There's a reason for that. <laughs> what if it's sponsored? If it's sponsored. Food, I'll eat it? sponsored food. Yes, there we go. If you want to see Val. <laughs> it's, I, okay, I, we're I, not starting a fetish no, channel of people no. watching you eat on this show. That's not happening. That's not what this see, podcast is about. <laughs> I admit it. I'm causing trouble already. Yes. And uh, yes, that is not surprising. Also, listeners, if there is an author you would like to see on this podcast, or you're an author that wants to be on the podcast, email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. We'd love to have you or hunt down the author you would like to have on here. And with that, of course, Val has come in with the co-hosting. So I have no real reason to actually validly introduce her. But our amazing guest today, who's been around the industry, what seems like forever in a day, is Alexi Vandenberg. So, hey guys, thanks for having me on this. Of course, of course, you've supplied us many a guest. You should have been on way before. But you are a published author now, so let's talk about that first. You have your book, Shameless Self-Promotion. Let's do it. Not quite yet. It, it will be out in September. September. Okay. Yes. So wh- what is the book? The book is actually an industry guide. It's called New York Publishing is Dying, but Books are Selling Great. Um, it is an experiential book, as, as well as all of my research and all that I have done in terms of both experience as somebody who has been within the publishing industry. Uh, both from the outside looking in and the inside looking around, as well as, um, you know, market data and market research and all of the research that I have applied both to my career with Rabbit Fanboy Marketing, but also um, how that has emerged into two entirely separate businesses, which is Bard's Tower and Prince of Cats Literary Productions and uh, why I did it this way and how I took it away. Because despite the fact that, you know, my, uh, my wife happily calls me a stack of books with legs, um, I didn't originally start in the literary world. And in fact, I had no ambitions towards it. Um, that kind of was a uh, accident. Oh my goodness. Okay, we have to hear the story. You know what I realized? I got so distracted. We didn't talk about what we're drinking. Oh, there you go. How bad is that? Oh my God. Okay. Oh no. I know. Val, you ruined me on these podcasts. No other co host causes these problems. Jacques. Okay. Jacques on mon petit patard. So, in the new Drinking with Author swag, you'll get some of this, Alexi, for being on the podcast. I am drinking um, fruit punch. I had a lot of fruit punch. I don't want to even explain why that is, but it's organic fruit punch and vodka. Ooh. It's got Tito's in it. I'm pretty excited about this. That that's good. You know, yeah. you yeah. know, whenever whenever I watch like you know, whenever I watch uh, Lord of the Rings and they're like you know taters, mash them, cook them, put them in the stew. I'm like and make booze out of them. You forgot <laughs> the most important part. I have um, my tater tater booze. Val, what are you drinking today? Uh, a concoction. <laughs> It's it's a spin on the Irish coffee, but I put like some caramel in there just to jazz it up. It's, oh, great! So you're jacked up on booze and sugar. And that's caffeine. fantastic. 
in your Jason Momoa mug. Yes, in my Jason Momoa mug that says, today I don't feel like doing anything except Jason Momoa. I do him. (laughs) I'm already single. That could be a possibility. Okay, Alexi, what are you drinking? I am drinking a sparkling wine. Ooh, what kind of sparkling wine? I have no idea. Okay, Um, sounds great. It was literally, (laughs) like, honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't want to have a beer. I don't like it, it's two o'clock, but I have to do this somewhere. I was like, I don't want to go into, I don't want to go into the room uh, because like afterwards I have to like move a literally a metric ton of books. So I don't want to actually get too schnockered. And frankly, I'm a notorious lightweight. So good to know, good to know from when we're a dragon con. There you go. <laughs> you know, dragon con is, Dragon Con is one of those shows where because we have Dragon Con and usually Salt Lake City in either the next week or close proximity, you know, usually when I come home from those two shows, you know, um, I, 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 I have this meme that I put on the Dragon Con website all the time, which is before Dragon Con and it's Pope Francis, you know, with the perfectly white thing and all that. And the end, it's it's the High Sparrow, where he's like dirty and disheveled, and they look very much alike, alarmingly so. <laughs> and you know, that's usually me when I come in from after Dragon Con, where I'm like, listen, I, you know, I've had five days of nonstop like talking and peopling and stuff. I, I want to go to bed and be left alone for three days. That's that's all I want. I usually don't get it. I was going to say, because Jonathan Mayberry, I know he's one of your featured authors, um, loves coming on the show. He's been on it twice. But he says we are very bad examples because he gets completely blitzed. We're all whiskey drinkers and we're all completely schnockered by the end of, and not like a little bit, like more than two thirds of a fifth of vodka. I mean, a fifth of whiskey. And we're like, he's like, let's meet up. Like, that's, that's one of the late one of the days you might know where he's been yeah i mean that's one of those things that happens because you know i give uh, as someone who's done this for a really long time um no hints on my age but i've been doing this for a long time um and i give all of the baby authors who are going to dragon con the first time the talk right? Yeah. And the talk is very simply this. I go, okay, you are going to be a visiting professional at DragonCon. And they're like, yes. I was like, I'm going to tell you, despite the fact that DragonCon is a lot of fun, we must be, you know, I'm expecting you to be a professional. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to have to bail you out or anything like that. And they all always, without fail, they all get indignant. They're like, Alexi, uh, I've done shows at, I've done San Diego, I've done, uh, I've done Emerald City. I was like, yes, yes, you have. I've done New York. I was like, yes, yes, you have. Dragon Con is a very different animal. And they're like, how so? I was like, because those are all shows that are industry shows. Dragon Con is a fan show that has grown into frankly, for lack of a better term, geek Mardi Gras. And you have to be on the float, sometimes literally. (laughs) So if that is the case, and you are going to be on the float literally, I do not want you falling off that float, because then I have to explain to someone what happened to you. (laughs) And that's always a bad day. Well, no, we don't know. We'll just see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. They never listen. I know they yeah. never listen. Okay. No. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> and, and usually like, you know, by the third day they come into the booth and they're like, uh, uh, uh. I'm like, good morning. How are you today? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, two more days, two more days, kids. <laughs> and they're like, two more days. how, how do you do this? And I'm like, mostly Catholicism, but that all depends. Um, and they're like, 
I don't want two more days of this. I'm like, that's too bad. And by the way, afterwards, you have the dead dog party. So, you know, that's always fun. Wow. Uh, so how did, because um, you kind of brought this up that you didn't start in books. Wh where was that turning point at for you? Where well, did I've you always... step into the industry? How, how did that invitation or luck or, or event unfold? I was always, a, I mean, I, I've been in fandom since nine. That was my original claim of fame. Uh, my parents thought it was a wonderful uh, idea before Dyfus to let a nine-year-old run rampant through a Star Trek adventure by himself. And really, fandom kind of absorbed me into it. And, um, you know, uh, during my mid-20s, I, I had a different business. And um, when I sold it, I realized that I failed to adapt one critical set of skills, which is to work for other people. Never built it, ever. So, you know, if you tell, a, if you tell your boss, by the way, you're wrong, and these are all the reasons why you're wrong, I can do that as a consultant. I really can't do that as an employee. Um, so what happened is, is that I ended up starting two businesses. First was a, um, a database management company, which was supposed to pay the mortgage. Okay. And the second was going to be a marketing company, which really at the time was only supposed to get me into conventions. That's really my, my the extent of my ambition in terms of that. Um, and so what happened was, is that um, I was planning on doing like marketing for television and movies and so on to fandom, because I have seen many companies try and market to fandom and fail spectacularly. Um, and I'm like, you guys don't know the community. You know, they're not impressed by that. This is what's going to impress them. Um, and I actually still make that advocacy common every day. I, I pretty much, during New York City Comic Con, I usually pay for about five or six industry tickets to come in. And I bring in, I bring advertising professionals and watch them drown in the saliva of their own nervous breakdown. Um, it's lots of fun. You know, and I explained to them, I was like, yes, you see a nice woman over there from, with blue body paint on. And I'm sure for, from you, that's both alarming and I'm sure it ticks an XY chromosome button there or two. However, <laughs> what you're failing to understand is, is that if you put that person in a sports stadium with the blue body paint and put a D or a fence in her hand, not only would you market to her, but you would actively target her. What you guys have failed to understand is that fandom, pop culture entertainment, pop culture uh, interest, whatever you want to call it, has become something rarefied. It's become a lifestyle choice. Just like soccer moms, sportsmen, outdoor enthusiasts, and sports fans. And you have failed to understand that. Um, and this is actually where... where I started was actually making that niche for myself. Um, what happened was, is that in the middle of me advertising for a TV show, um, I was at a show actually in Salt Lake City, Utah, and Kevin J. Anderson walks up to me, and uh, Kevin walks up to me and goes, uh, hi, uh, Alexi Vandenberg? I was like, yeah. And he's like, I don't know if you know me or not. I'm Kevin J. Anderson. I'm like, dude, I know who you are. <laughs> You're a significant part of my, my college education was me ditching the books for your books. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah. And he's like, have you ever thought about doing marketing for publishing? And I was like, no. And he's like, why not? I was like, because it's not my industry. I, I don't have any real knowledge or experience or, or really any kind of industry understanding of, of how publishing advertising works and so on. Mm -hmm. And so he looked at me and goes, well, you might be ahead of the game since most publishers don't know that either. That's funny. And so I kind of went, okay. And it struck up a conversation and a rabbit fanboy marketing ended up 
being signed on to do marketing for both Kevin J. Anderson and then eventually Kevin J. Anderson's small press, which is Wordfire Press. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what happened is, is that we started building a market presence and so on and so forth. And I realized a, with a great deal of alarm that he was correct that New York publishers in particular have no idea how to actually market their books. Um, oh, wow. And it was, it was a, it's a, a great, a great amount of alarm, um, you know, that they think that, oh, I, I'm going to put it in the industry magazines. I'll put it in Publishers Weekly and I'll put it in, in Locus and we'll do a, 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 we'll do a Barnes and Noble death march across the country where you sign, you know, five books <laughs> per Barnes and Noble forever. And that is, um, that's really what they, they consider a great marketing campaign and I looked at this in horror and went um this is this is legit and he's like yeah why I was like this is not how you do marketing um so we came up with a marketing plan and the rest is history um part of the marketing plan that we built was what was then called the word fire press um word fire press was bringing in celebrity authors like Kevin J Anderson and others um, mostly associated with Wordfire Press. Mm. And um, then what would happen is, is that we went from convention to convention. Um, in that process, what I ended up doing is, you know, consulting with him and working with him and really being the guy on the ground to kind of build that model. Um, it ended up in uh, 2014 that Kevin came to me and was like, <coughs> excuse me, taking a drink yes yeah um he said to me excuse me um alexi i don't think i can do this anymore i'm like why he's like the logistics is too much with my own writing career my publishing house and just the logistics of the booth i can't do all three i was like i can understand how that might be problematic and he's like so we're gonna cut that out and I was like what if I bought it from you and he's like pardon he's he's like what do you mean I was like I'll buy the booth the booth concept the booth contingent he's like well you kind of made it and I was like yeah but it's yours I did it under your consultancy um so I would purchase it from you I would purchase your back stock and um that way you have a zero balance on that. And then what we can do is, is that we can talk about, you know, making sure that Wordfire Press always has a presence there, but then I can expand that model. And that model turned into Bard's Tower, which was my second. That's very cool. Okay, Mm -hmm. we're gonna take a quick break before we go into the continuing saga, which will allow Val, I'm sure, to eat something during that. <laughs> anyway, we will be right back with Drinking With Authors. I'm sure it's all it's all sponsored. It's sponsored by Dole Bananas. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we'll be right back. Howdy! Listen up. I am talking. Now, the question of the hour is, who's got a Doctor Who podcast? Answer, we do. Next question, who's listening to it? Answer, you are. If you're sitting up there in your silly little spaceship and you've got any plans to listen to a Doctor Who podcast, just remember who's standing in your way. And then, dear the smart thing, listen to Earth Station Who right here on the ESO Network. Our sponsor today on Drinking with Authors is Skunk Brothers Spirits. Skunk Brothers Spirits was started by a family of disabled veterans focused on locally sourced quality distilled spirits. Their name was inspired by their pops, who was nicknamed Skunk. Skunk's father was a moonshiner in Oregon back when it wasn't exactly legal. Now the brothers are taking the family business legal with their Washington-based team using their grandfather's Prohibition-era moonshine recipe to bring small batch spirits to the gorge and beyond. From the moonshine corn whiskey to the apple pie brandy, all of their spirits are handmade in Washington. 
Believing they already have the best ingredients in the local community, they work with local farmers and suppliers to produce the highest quality spirits from scratch. You can find them on Facebook at Skunk Brothers and on Twitter at Skunk Bros Inc. Or visit their site www.skunkbrothersspirits.com and use coupon code DWA10 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. You can always also ask your local retailer to start stocking Skunk Brothers Spirits. Regardless of how you get your hands on a bottle or two, grab a drink and don't forget to get skunked. Okay, we're back. And for those that were experiencing the strobing of Alexi, because he's so powerful creating electrical currents through the universe. <laughs> I am so powerful that I was creating my own personal rave just uh, around me. See, and here I was yeah. thinking, like, it was just every time he blinks, we were blinking. <laughs> I was like, we were, we were totally having a Doctor Who moment and you're just forgetting things. So it's yeah. fine. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so you... um. So I have a question because you grew up around all these nerd dumps and sort of and created Absolutely. a career up around the nerd dumb thing. What uh and the literary track? How come you haven't written like fantasy or sci-fi or, or how come you haven't gone down that path yet? The fiction path. Uh, the fiction path. Oh, the well, very simply. Path. I I mean two reasons is is one is bandwidth. Um if you guys have ever seen me, I, I often am running around with pretty much my hair, sometimes literally and sometimes proverbially on fire. And okay. that is a lot of hair. Um, and also, be t I, I do not want to cross the streams quite that badly. Um, honestly, I debated on writing even the industry book because I'm like, it struck me as very close to Vanity Press, me going, why, this is my book, you know. And it's it's helpful that I am the non-author. I am the only non-author usually at the tower. Even my assistants and my, my uh, even my assistants or, or some such are usually authors or aspiring authors or want to be authors or so on. I very rarely have somebody who's like, nope, I have no interest in it. And actually, in certain ways, that helps me because I am the person who is able to objectively say, okay, I love you all, like my bastard stepchildren. But, <laughs> you know, by the way, Jonathan Mayberry's books go here. Kevin's go there. You're right here because, you know, come on. I can't have you on, you know, I can't have you have main billing. No, you're not that, you know, you're lovely. You're a great author, but you're not quite the celebrity author you think you are quite yet. Um, you know, I, I have made, I have made the joke on occasion that, you know, the, the weight of, uh, the weight of the Nebula Award is often, you know, because it is, it is built from the condensed ego of, of uh, of small-time authors, um, you know, but this is this is one of those things is that I'm able to objectively say, no, this is where we're going to be. This is what we need to do, and so on. Um, except, and except also, for, as of September, you you're going to be an author now too. Yeah, <laughs> actually, but the tower will not be selling the book because uh, oh. I will not like. I feel that that would be a conflict of interest for me to actually sell my own book at the tower. Oh, and also, yeah. to be fair, it is a book that is based on, I mean, it is an industry book. It is a book for, for authors to get an idea of where the industry is going, where the industry has been, and what's going to be happening within the industry and the changes that are going to be uh, faced by both new authors, existent authors, uh, all the way from your headliners to your person who is an indie author who has a book that is yay thick and is, you know, and that they're shopping it around and it's essentially written on computer paper. Um, from everyone, there's going to be changes within this industry within the next uh, 
three years, some of which you've seen, some of which haven't even come to pass yet. In fact, one of the reasons that the book has actually been delayed to September, actually two of them, I can say in terms of the change of the industry. Mm-hmm. One of which is Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter was actually a, a discussion within the latter half of the book, but I planned for him to do that three years from now. And I had actually had a, a list of usual suspects of who was going to do it, who was going to do it first, and how it would be successful and how it would change the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, when Brandon kind of kicked that into gear three years ahead of time, I kind of had to rewrite that part of the book. Um, ah. Do you think the pandemic had a little bit to do with speeding up? The Undoubtedly. Because that's, yeah. that's the other part of this is that um, the, the, the pandemic actually has affected paper supply chains on such a, a, a large level that um, honestly, I wasn't entirely sure that print copies of the book would be available when it was originally finished. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, there are established authors who are quite actually, uh, I know this personally, um, this is, the, I will not mention the author's name, but he's a very successful author. Um, uh-huh. He's probably one of Penguin Random House's up and coming young guns. Uh, he's very good. He's amazing, actually. And the first book in his series was not available for seven months in mass oh. market. And, you know, that's a heavy drinking moment if I can't think of one. Yeah. And you're, because uh, Bart's Towers is direct, uh, with the shortages of the shippings and things, have has your authors felt that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I would say that everyone has felt that, ranging from, uh, from your first timers all the way on up um, in terms of retail space. Yes, um, retail retailers. It's not just Bart's Tower. Retailers across the country have been uh, faced with a massive issue, and part of that is uh, is a discussion I have in the book, which is the supply chains that have been developed. Um, this current iteration of of publishing has only existed since 19, uh, 1947. And the problem is, is that whereas most other industries have adapted and changed and taken what worked in their past iteration and move forward with it and keep what works until it doesn't work anymore than discard it, publishing has maintained its entire apparatus all the way up into the modern age um, and kept kept the apparatus that has maintained since really about 1860. Now there have been some, there have been certain changes from 1860, but when Melville could actually recognize certain parts of your uh, of your industry in its modern iteration, that should be alarming to anybody because that's kind of like building a modern race car using the Model T. Uh, the Model T assembly line. <laughs> that would suck. That would suck hardcore. Yes. It's already sucking hardcore. And oh. by the way, for all of you authors out there, you know, what I've just said might be alarming to you. And, you know, I'm going to tell you this. Don't worry. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to be great. Uh, publishing is not going to change at all. It's lovely. Nothing's going to happen. By the way, that's a complete lie, but, you know, uh, we can certainly discuss how things are going to change. Um, uh, a lot of what I cover in the book is where I think publishing is going to go, um, how things are going to change, the balkanization of publishing, and also how this actually interacts with other areas of industry and where publishing is going to go in the future. For instance, why investing in mass markets might be a terrible idea, but investing in things like hemp paper might not be. Interesting, interesting. One thing that we haven't quite um, covered too, or as well, is that you have a publishing company yourself. I do have a publishing house. 
which actually is the happy uh, happy uh, accident of the pandemic. Uh, when I bought Bard's Tower from Kevin, one of my agreements with him was is that I would not, for 10 years, build a publishing house because since the Word Fire Press booth, what, you know, one of its its main features was was what was a nascent Bard's Tower. Um, he didn't want me publishing because he was he didn't want you know authors to leave Wordfire to come to whatever I was building in the interest of just getting to the booth. So what we did, and and especially since we were expanding, uh, Bard's Tower is now actually the only nationally operating bookstore entirely devoted to the pop culture uh, experience. Oh wow! Um, but what happened was. You know, uh, in 2020, uh, we planned for 37 shows. That's a lot. Yes. And it how is. many did we fulfill before the world ended? Two. 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 In fact, my uh, my assistant at the time, um, who is a, who is also an author, uh, my assistant at the time, her name is uh, Michelle Corey. She calls me up and she's like, hey, Alexi, what's going on? And I was at, actually at an amazing show called Pensacon. Uh, we had two shows running. We had two booths running simultaneously that weekend. One was in, in Richmond, Virginia. The mm -hmm. other one was in Pensacola. Or Pensacola, Florida. Excuse me. Uh, and she calls me up and she's like, hey, Alexi, have you been watching the news? I'm like, no, I, I'm in the middle of, you know, I'm at a show. Um, you know, I live in a bubble until I leave that show. I mean, you know, the, you know, a meteor could hit my house and me not be aware of it until after the show. It doesn't um, help that most convention centers are like death stars for any, any cell service or Wi-Fi or anything. So it's, it's all bets are off. Absolutely. Absolutely the case. So what happened was that, um, she's like, when's the next show? I was like, Emerald City. And she's like, in Seattle? I was like, yeah. She's like, hey, Alexi, have you heard of this thing called uh, COVID? <laughs> and I was like, that's what's going on in, 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 in Asia, right? She goes, yeah, Alexi. I was like, well, that's in Asia. What, what, what's what's going to happen? I mean, it's not going to affect us right now. And she goes, well, the first case was in, it was reported in Seattle last week. I was like, well, it's only one case. How bad could it get? Well, out of the <laughs> mouth of fools. Um, you know, and the problem is, is that in order to avoid issues with, with books arriving on time, I usually buy books booked by author by the quarter. So I had spent $70,000 uh, purchasing books for my first quarter of shows, which was a small number of shows. It was, it was what, eight shows? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, from, from, you know, from uh, February all the way to April. And I had Jim Butcher because Jim Butcher was getting ready to release several books, you know, which is an entirely different conversation. Um, and what pretty much happened is, is that they're like, oh, by the way, all of these shows are canceled. And I had $70,000 worth of books in my warehouse. Wow. Which, you know, again, talk about a high drink and uh, talk about a heavy drinking moment. <laughs> you know. Yeah. No. I will, I will admit that I, you know, I cried a bit, uh, manly crying, but it was manly, but it was crying. Um, because I pretty much was like, ah, not only do I not have any sort of resources because I sunk them into these books with an expectation of, of, of all of that, but what do I do now? So um, midway through, I actually ended up talking to, you know, I was like, okay, several authors had come to me and had said, listen, we want to take our books away from major publishing houses and give them to you. And I was like, really? They're like, yes. 
Um, one was, was, you know, uh, several New York Times bestsellers. Um, so I was like, okay. So I called Kevin up and I was like, Kevin, um, I know we said, we said 10 years. We're on year eight. Would it be possible for me to abrogate that agreement in order for me to build a publishing house to make some money? If you tell me no, I will obey the contract. No problems. If you say yes, I I would, you know, I, I would dance for you to the tune of Night Sweats. I, I mean, you know, I, <laughs> I would love you forever, you know. And Kevin's like, Alexi, half of the world is on fire right now. Of course you can build a publishing house. I'm like, <laughs> I love you, man. You know, I, I, I was, you know, I was like, okay. So we kicked, uh, we kicked this off. Um, first thing we did is, is that we did, uh, you know, the yeah. name had always been chosen as Prince of Cats. Um, what, what, what spawned the name? We got to ask. Yes. Um, that sounds like there's a story behind this. Well, there are several stories behind it. First <laughs> of all, um, I was a really quiet, super quiet kid in middle school. Um, right. and because of a girl, because it must involve a girl, um, <laughs> I actually ended up applying to become an actor in the Orlando Shakespeare Festival's Young Company. Okay. Because I was impressing the girl. And, um, this was a pilot program where they took, uh, 13 to 17 year old kids and they had them put on a Shakespearean play in a professional manner. Okay. And it was put as part of the Orlando Shakespeare Festival's uh, entire thing, which is a big program. Uh, I don't know if it still is, but I, I know it, it was at the time. Um, so what happened is, is that they ended up liking my performance and my audition, and they ended up asking me to play Tibble. Oh. For two reasons. First of all, um, I've been I, I was I've been trained in swordsmanship since I was seven. Nice. So, you know, I'm way older than seven now. But <laughs> you know, only a little bit older than seven. I thought we weren't doing ages there, Lexi. <laughs> We're gonna leave them. It's only it's but, only been a day or two. <laughs> but what happened was is that they're like, wait a minute you can learn you learned what was that don't ask just keep going we're fine it's been recording the whole time she scared me erica she i know she's scary scary as it is and now she's interrupting podcasts she wants to say in this i am convinced for the record val only when you're on only when you're on well i for one welcome our our new robot overlord to, to, to yes exactly okay. thank you new robot overlord for letting us know what was happening okay. <laughs> so what happened was is that um i ended up you know they're like wait you know all this choreography yes yeah it, it's very easy it's you know thrust to three thrust to five thrust to seven they're like, how do you know that? So I ended up becoming Tibble. And really, a lot of the application of how I talk to people and how I do my marketing, especially at Bard's Tower, is based off of skills that I learned from the Orlando Shakespeare Festival. How and, did the impressing uh, the girl go? Yeah, how did oh, impressing oh, the girl go? <laughs> oh, it, it went wonderfully. I mean, it, it went to two dates. They were complete disasters. And, you know, <laughs> I'm happily married to someone else now. Um, <laughs> End of story. <laughs> so what happened was, is that, um, you know, you know, Tibble's called the Prince of Cats. So I was like, that's going to be the name of my publishing house. Um, literary productions is how I actually applied what I have learned in publishing going forward because you notice we're not prince of cats press we're not prince of cats publications we're prince of cats literary productions um part of what i wanted to do is is that 
a lot of publishers, especially the big publishers, go, yes, we will take that book from you, Mr. Agent or Mr. Author. Or Mrs. Author and Mrs. Agent. It all depends. Um, thank you. We will take that. Here is your $5,000 check if you're lucky. If you're lucky. And then piss off until I need another book. Um, that's really how, I mean, for those of you who haven't gone through the experience, that's usually how large publishers work. They do not want your input. They will give you a copy of the book uh, for you to edit. And that is about it. And you have no, no say in how it is marketed, how it is developed, how it is moved, um, anything like that. Um, in fact, you know, pretty much you're universally ignored until they need another book from you. And, and a lot of those contracts, and, and I think this is a point that many authors have made the mistake, they get excited, big publisher comes in. Be careful because they lock you into where you only can write for them. Yes. Yeah. Not, then, not only that, but it's also one of those things where New York publishers have gotten into an industry and a, a psychological lockstep where if your book, they want the home run when sometimes they, all they need is a base hit, to use a baseball term. I, my wife is rubbing off on me clearly because I'm not a baseball guy. I am not of the body, but, you know, I, I will put it this way that, you know, this is, you know, they, they want the home run. They absolutely want the home run. If you are not somebody who has gone, it was hit sell through, um, the, meaning that, that you have, you know, sold through in terms of, of, of market share um, up until, you know, within your first three weeks, they won't want to talk to you again. And there are a lot of authors who have had their careers damaged, stalled, or ruined based entirely on a false presumption that, you know, they come in there like, you're going to be the next big thing. You're going to be the next Brandon Sanderson. You're going to be the next, um, you know, Stephen King, the next George Martin, the next whomever. And that's, first of all, that's doing damage to authors. That's also doing damage to the industry. And both are a readjustment that are based on what has been built into this industry that is absolutely not necessary. Um, in addition to that, what happens is that um, there is a methodology of, okay, backlist and midlist authors are essentially shunned to the side. Now, the reality of that is, is that Thor, you know, IRS versus Thor Power uh, in, in the 1980s did a great deal of damage to publishing houses and the midlist. However, they have not taken into account the technologies that are involved now in actually producing additional work. Yeah. Now. And it's crazy and it's crazy that you you point out um, that they toss the backlist to the side when when you look at the research especially from major distributors they're all saying that most of the profits 70% or higher every year for the last 5 years comes from a backlist. Yeah. And for those who don't understand what a backlist book qualifies for that is a book that was published 2 years ago or older. That is uh, correct, and my and apologies, I, I, I forgot to qualify that. Um, a backlist is that, and a midlist author is somebody who is completely, they're not a bestseller, but they're a solid selling author. These are not unsuccessful uh, books. These are books that are moving towards that. And by the way, the long levity of books has extended but people have failed to actually realize that. And also, New York Publishing's data in terms of what is selling and what is not selling is actually not only bad, but willfully bad at this point. Um, there's no excuse for it. But that's a different, that's a different discussion. But so what happened is, is that literary productions came around 
in regards to very simply this. I wanted to build it off of a Hollywood studio model. Whereas the author themselves maintain the rights to their book, always. Mm-hmm. My books are not published by Prince of Cats. They are published by Prince of Cats in association with author or the author's company or whatever they have. Because what happens is that those rights are shared jointly with us. And then what happens is that the the, the production house, the Prince of Cats, actually is a person who gets the marketing team together, the editor together, the, the layout team together, and them in conjunction with me as man, you know, Prince of Cats as manager, as well as the author themselves are able to collaborate to build the book together. It is a collaborative process rather than an exclusionary that's I think that's that's awesome we talk a lot on this show about how you can do things differently with publishing but mm-hmm. which is is very cool and people should check out your websites I want to end though on a fun note because we're coming to the end of this podcast and I want a ridiculous story from you that has humor eloquence I want it all uh-oh <laughs> yeah, for those who, who have not met Alexi, he tells some of the best stories in the industry of things that have happened uh, from ce- celebrities uh, tripping to to running into celebrities behind Italian restaurants. I've heard of quite a few and they're all entertaining. Oh, God. <laughs> you mentioned two right there. Um, yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. When Colin Baker, the 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 sixth sixth doctor, yes, sixth doctor, lost his tooth on stage in front of me, that was a bad day. Um, to well, Christopher Walken, you know, you know, wanting to be chased by my car, which is in and of itself good. Um, okay, ah. Christopher Walken. Wanting to be chased by your car? What? Yes. I heard this one. <laughs> um, am I allowed to swear on this? Because it, there's yes, a- yes, yes. Okay. You can allowed to swear, swear on whatever this. you want. Fucking adult podcast. You can't drink <laughs> on a fucking podcast. That's fair. Show. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> because this, by the way, this is the first time I'm going to do this story sitting down because it involves my hands and usually a lot of physical comedy. Um, you have to watch the YouTube. Me and Val can both be like, I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to do with my hands. Okay. okay go ahead. Um, this, is, this is actually before the literary stuff happened. Um, I, had, I was at New York City Comic Con, which I usually do not take the booth to because honestly, every publishing house is there. It's a punch that Ali didn't give to Foreman. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm superfluous there, but it's my local show because I'm, I'm out of very North New Jersey. Uh, I'm literally right across the bridge. Um, so what happens is that I was asked to come to an Italian restaurant in the village by a TV, by a TV executive, which I didn't want to do. Okay. Because I'm like, why am I there? I'm supposed to be there to be the fanboy stamp of approval. I know why I'm going. Like, I, I know why they want me there. I, I, it serves no purpose for me. But I'm being nice. And I hate it when I have to be nice to people that I really just don't want to be nice to. But say uh, So, anyway. Here we go. I decided because it was going to be probably a late night. And the bus shuts down at like 2 p uh, 2 a.m. Um, you know, I, I decided to just drive my car. Okay. Never drive into the city. It's usually more money with it. But I did it because I just wanted to get home. I didn't want to have an Uber that's going to take me to some sort of park and ride in the middle of, uh, of Secaucus, New Jersey. <laughs> and then me have to navigate all that fun right mm-hmm. so 
what happens is that I'm there. And uh, I, I did my day thing. I saw all of their material. I was like, oh, yeah, that's very nice. This is not going to go anywhere. But, oh, yeah, that's very nice. And, uh, oh, yeah, oh, that's great. And, and wow, you know, you stole the vampire detective concept from Forever Night and Angel. Yeah, this can't, this is going to be great. Why not? You know, uh, I heard all of it. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, so finally I get to leave. So I'm like, okay, I've done my due diligence. I leave the Italian restaurant. I go towards my car, which I had pre-parked there well ahead of time the day before. I actually had to take the, the train into the convention center from the village where the damn restaurant was and then take it back. But now I'm done. So I'm free. And all of a sudden I hear, those bastards! Those bastards! Those bastards! They left me! Those bastards, they left me! I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right? So in the middle of the parking lot, I see this guy screaming this at the top of his lungs. I'm like, hello? Can You okay? And the guy turns around and goes, yeah, yeah, but my bastard, my bastard friends, they left me. They left me right here. They left me right here, those bastards. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Christopher Walken. That's, that's, that's like, you know, Suicide Kings. Like, like Christopher Walken. Okay. This is cool. And I was like, can I can I help you? He goes, yeah, yeah, you can help me. I need new friends. You're my new friend. <laughs> okay. Uh, 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 you know, and my brain is going through like you know, you know, part of you know the slithering the slithering you know ambitious part of my brain is like take the friendship, take it, you know, <laughs> you know, we could use this. <laughs> Um, the other part is going, um, excuse me, I, I think, I don't think he's qu quite correct in his things and perceptions. I was like, well, um, okay, how can, can, how can I help? And he's like, well, I need a ride because my friends, those bastards, they left me. I was like, yeah, 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 I got that. Um, and he's like, uh. He's like, I need to go home. I was like, uh, I'm like, can I shove him in a cab? Like, a bus? Like, so I was, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that to this guy. I'm not going to go inside and ask because I'm his new friend. <laughs> so I'm like, great. Okay, well, where do you live? He's like, on the east side. Where, sorry? He's like, I don't know. On the east side. He's like, somewhere that way. I'm like, uh. He's like, here, here's my wallet. Find out where I live. Okay. Best friends. There you go. <laughs> I now have trust. Friendship Walk trust immediately. Kins <laughs> wallet. And, and, and. The Slytherin part of me is going, give it back to him. For the love of Christ, give it back. You know. <laughs> and, and, you know, I'm like, uh, uh, thank you. And he's like, well, open it and find out where I live. I'm like, uh, 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 uh. Oh, how, how, oh, God. What, what am I doing? How did I get this? How did this happen? How did this happen? So, sure enough, I'm like opening it up gingerly, like in front of him. So it's like, I'm not going to say that I like, you know, I, I'm going to make sure he sees whatever altered state he's in, he's, that he sees that I am not like lifting a credit card or cash or anything from Christopher Walken because I can like, I can already see the headline tomorrow you know, you know, New Jersey marketing genius steals Christopher Walken's wallet. I can see that. 
here. It's not good. Um, so I'm like, ah. He goes, yeah, that's the place. I'm like, okay. Now, my car has an auto start on it. You know, just one of those things where you click it and the car starts, right? Now, this has already gone really pear-shaped really quickly. Um, this is not what I wanted to do. Oh, no, we lost Erica. Oh, stop. Stop. We lost Erica. Is that why? Hold on. Let me make sure this wasn't. It's still recording. Keep going. She goes, I froze. Be right back. Yeah, it'll keep recording because it just it gives one of a, it just, it just trades off things. We had this happen the other day because okay. he's in the mountains and chaos happens in the mountains. Will she still be able to, uh, to download this recording or? Yes, we painted like the first time. This, thank you, thank you to Zoom. They are awesome, and it keeps recording. Even though a uh, crazy AI lady likes to interrupt now. <laughs> it's okay. Hey, you know, she wanted to be involved in the conversation. That's okay. <laughs> she <was> okay. <laughs> Remember when the Terminators come? Come your friend. <laughs> we always, uh, my husband and I always joke that Google likes him better than me. <laughs> she, he could say something and she'll do it the first time i'll say it and you can see her because they glow so you can see glow and i say the command identical to what he said and nothing happens i got one better than that um <laughs> can you imagine having a home ai with a name like alexi oh no oh so like you know somebody will be like Alexi, I need this. And, you know, Alexa will go, I'm sorry, I don't understand what you mean. <laughs> you know, I mean, when my wife is like, Alexi, you know, you, you, you know, you XY chromosome adult imbecile. This is there what happened. Um, hey. I am back. Believe this is good. Oh, from a different angle. It's, oh, don't get me started. <laughs> thoroughly ridiculous what's happening right now so hey but you don't have a rave in your house so it's good no it's true it's true it, i do not have a rave in my house so anyway um yes you gotta love the internet up here in the mountains that decides to die all the time on all, all on its own it's like hey i'm just kidding i'm done being existing so it makes for it quiet. happens hooray everything's back as it needs to be did we um did we it's the story that I know. Yeah, we were waiting for you. We were talking oh. about how technology interacts with us. Right. Yeah, no, technology is jinxing me today. So with that. So with that, what happens is that, you know, I, I'm, I have an auto start. I, I'm not sure where we left off. Just keep going. Keep going. All right. So I have an auto start on my car. So I hit the auto start and Mr. Walken who is clearly impaired by some way, shape, or form, goes, your car, it's a lie. <laughs> and then I, 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 I turn to him and he goes, get it to chase me, and starts running serpentine through the parking lot. And I'm like, uh, sir? <laughs> sir, and he's like, get it to chase me. Get it to chase me. Come on. Get it to chase me. I'm like. <laughs> You're no. holding his wallet still at this point, too. Yes, I am holding his wallet. <laughs> and he is running. You know, the, the, I mean, huh. <laughs> the number of ways that this is not good have not only multiplied, but are now exponentially growing. <laughs> God, you know, now it has morphed from, you know, New Jersey marketing guy, uh, New Jersey marketing guy, uh, you know, steals Christopher Walken's wallet to New Jersey marketing guy steals Christopher Walken's wallet and chases him with car. <laughs> I love all of these things. <laughs> This I love a, every single thing that's happening right now. And, and meanwhile, 
you know, the Slytherin ambition part of me is going, ah! <laughs> you know, and, and the other part is now crying and just drinking absinthe. Like, fuck it. Fuck this. Fuck We're it. Done. You know. So, I'm like, sir. 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 Can't touch him, sir. <laughs> sir, you know. And so finally, as this is like, come on, get it to chase me. This guy comes out and goes, Mr. Walken? And he goes, Yeah. He goes, Your <laughs> friends have been looking for you. He goes, Oh. They're, they're, they're inside? He goes, Yes, sir, they are. He goes, Oh. All right. I. Guess they, they, I guess they're inside. This guy's car is alive. And he goes, and, and I mean, and, and, and the little Italian guy who's there is, is like, yes, sir. Like, you know, just like he's done this band, before. Just like, you know, and that New York dead eyed kind of, I really am not paid enough to do deal with this bullshit, but okay. You know, if you've ever been to New York, you know, anybody in the service industry, just look at them and they have that dead eye. Yeah. <laughs> Every human being on the planet, including this one who has done me no wrong. Wow. So, meanwhile, they're like, he's like, I gotta go. My friend's inside. I was like, yes, sir. Yes. And he goes on. I was like, sir, excuse me, sir, 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 your wallet. It goes, oh yeah, I need that, right? As yes, please, please take it. <laughs> please, please take it. You know, meanwhile, like you know, little Italian, you know, little Italian matron guy is like looking at me like, as it, don't, don't, don't ask. please don't ask, please, please. I, I am, I am neither a dealer, nor a thief, nor anything you probably think that I am. Um, you know, the other one that I have to say that is, that is quite close, close to me is, um, <laughs> we had a, uh, this is called an author managing the expectations of an author. Um, young author comes in and, uh, she's like, I have these books in my series. I'm like, Yes. She goes, so we'll release them all at the same time. I'm like, no. She's like, why not? I was like, because they have to be edited and, and, and crafted and developed. And you releasing all of them on, on, on various channels all at the same time as <clears throat> is never good. Six months apart. Six months apart. Six months apart makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, six months allows things to, to, to percolate through the algorithm. Why? Because that, that is the saner and safer way to go. But, um, you know, th th that one actually having those conversations, uh, having the conversation with young authors who think that, you know, I have this great book. Yes, that's excellent. Uh, so when are, when do I get on the New York Times list? Like, not on your first. Well, just so you know, I I always people I get that question a lot too, especially yeah. with everything I do, and no one really does the homework. But there's there is statistics out there looking over those authors, and yes. less than ten percent of them make a profit on their book. Absolutely. So if that doesn't like. There's Less than ten percent, and and some of that, and, and that is for, you know, I, I have I've explained to authors, don't buy T-shirts for your book. For the love of God, don't do that. Why not? Well, because you're trying to sell T-shirts. If it is a marketing ploy where you're giving away the T-shirts, and you're willing to absorb that cost, that is one thing. If you're just trying to give, if you're trying to sell swag, you're trying to sell swag to a property and an IP that no one knows yet. 
That's true. Is that in your book? That is in my book. That was awesome. I hate to do this, but we have to wrap up now because well, it's been a pleasure, guys. It has been Absolutely. amazing. Thank uh, you for having me. promotion time, though, Alexi. How did you shameless plug and everything you do? Okay, they can catch me on any number of of uh, any number of um, email sites, including you know rabbitfanboy.com, theprinceofcats.com bardstower.com uh they can also reach me on facebook any of those and i'm not a particularly shy person so they can also catch me on my own facebook page uh twitter and so on um you know i'll, I'll say this keep on creating keep on writing um if if you guys want to catch um if you want to talk to me about anything i'm pretty open in fact i'm trying to do a a YouTube series right now on Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter and what that actually entails. Um, you can reach me any number of those places. Very, very cool. Thank you again for being on the podcast with us. We Thank really you for having me. Here. Absolutely. Okay, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host has been Valerie Willis, who's muted herself, so we'll see if she, see, she just talked and she's muted, it's fine. She's pretty. And <laughs> pretty. It's because suddenly the dogs were going to start barking, I get to tell. They, they I'm not even going to ask how you knew that. I feel it has to do with the coffee you were just drinking and what you put in it. I can feel the dogs were going to start, whatever. Um, <laughs> Anyway, our amazing guest has been Alexi Vandenberg, and our sponsor has been Skunk Brother Spirits, coupon code DWA10, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thank you for having me, guys. Have Absolutely. fun. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tea Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.